Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you this day and forever. Amen. You know that expression, you never get a second chance to make a first impression? That's true, right? Although our first impression doesn't tell the whole story of who a person is. Our first impression can, can give us an idea, possibly, about who a person is, what they're about, but we don't know them, right? We don't know that person. Imagine yourself meeting a person, maybe you've heard that person's name before, and because you have, you know, another friend who's, who's maybe close to that person, you get invited to a gathering. Remember when we used to have gatherings? Parties, right? Um, and you get to go, and, and so, you know, you're in the, in the home. And so the host is there, and this is the person, right? You, you don't necessarily know him or her, but you're kind of observing, right? Looking across the room as, as that person with confidence, but not cockiness, crosses the room and, you know, greets people in different ways, maybe has a conversations among the people, and maybe you overhear some of that. There's a lot that you can see and learn. Observation is a great way to know about a person. But at what point do we say, oh, I know him, or I know her? At what point do we think that's a relationship that we can call knowing someone not just knowing about or being acquainted, but more than that. Where's that line? It's hard to draw that, right? It's hard to say where exactly that is because I think it varies in our relationships. I think it maybe varies by person at what point one person says, I know him. Somebody else might think, that's no, you're still an acquaintance. It's subjective, right? There's a lot we can learn, though, through observation. Before meeting a person, we can know about him or her, but not everything is learned that way. As we continue our series, The More You Know, we're going to talk about knowing. In 1 John chapter 4, today we heard those words, we know, or by this we know, or we have come to know, a number of times. Here's the thing, we know God. Right. We know God. God has shown up. We can know God through observation. We call that natural knowledge of God. God has revealed his nature to us where he has been evident, right? In creation, cultures throughout time and around the world it seems, have had the idea that there's something more, that there is a divine, right? So whether or not the way that we know God is, has reached different cultures or places, most people groups that exist today or have been discovered, right, you know, the, the archaeological remains, Most of the time, there is some divine that's demonstrated or represented. There's some, you know, cultic way that that 
is revered. The Greeks had their gods. The Romans had their gods. The Egyptians had their gods, right? And, and the Mayans and the Aztecs and, like, every major culture that you can imagine or think of, as far as I know at least, has had some idea that there is the divine. Why is that? Because God's fingerprints are all over the place, right? You look at the world and you go, this is just too complicated for it to just show up. There's people who believe that too, but we'll not worry about them today. (laughs) So we see God's fingerprints all over the place in creation, but also in things that we like to call coincidence. When things just work out, when something happens that is just, wow, that really happened in that way. Last week at the, um, right after we finished with the service in the Bible class, just about, um, we jumped in a, a car and we drove to Oregon to help my in-laws because they had had a fire in their home and um, they needed help just processing and claiming things and doing all the work that you have to do when, when you've lost a lot of your personal belongings. And so... We went there, and we experienced things that are hard to describe. Like, even ever since, even before we got there, it was evident. The timing of some things that that transpired. The way that a home for them to move into was available, and within two weeks was purchased and the closing was done and everything was ready and they had keys in hand so they could move in. And there was help for that. And there was a friend of um, Paula's sister who is moving out of a home and had things that he didn't know what to do with or where to put. So he is giving them amazing, like, supply of furniture and beds and bedding and like all this stuff that he's like oh here have this plus he's super generous so what a perfect person to cross paths with and and have opportunity to be the recipient of his generosity does that just happen by accident i don't think so And other things, and we'll talk about a few more of those things this morning that we saw, that we experienced. So we know God through observation. If we're paying attention, we can see his fingerprints. We also know God because he reveals himself to us. Natural knowledge of God is something, but it's definitely not everything. Natural knowledge of God is like standing in the corner and watching the party happen and the host moves around the party but you never have a conversation, right? You know some things, but you certainly don't know everything. And that works the same way with God. God reveals himself to us because we have limited understanding. We talked a bit about that last week. That we see things differently and our eyes are easily deceived. So we can see God, but we don't know God through natural knowledge alone. So God revealed himself. He's spoken to us. The book of Hebrews opens with these words. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. 
So God shows up and communicates to his people in many times and in various ways. But now, now in these last days, God has shown up in the person of Jesus to communicate to us his love and his grace, which are demonstrated at the cross where his life was given for us. God has communicated to us this way. His nature we can know. And so John in 1 John says we know at least 15 times. This is John. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He talks a lot about love, too. In fact, love and knowledge and grace are all kind of tied together in this reading from 1 John 4 today. So we know God through his revelation to us. We receive that same revelation through what the prophets had written in the Old Testament, what Moses had written in the Old Testament, what David had written, what others had written. But we also receive it through what the gospel writers wrote, what the epistle writers wrote, what Paul wrote down, and we receive this knowledge of God, this revelation of God in his word. So the Bible is the revelation of God in black and white. That's how we know God. We read his biography. (laughs) We read his book. And it communicates to us because it's not just a book about a far-off person. It's not just a biography. It's the living and breathing Word of God that communicates to us in ways that we see with our eyes and we understand with our minds, but it touches our hearts and our souls, and it, and it connects with us, and it brings us to this place of faith by the power of the Spirit. And through all of that, God abides with us. God abides. God lives, dwells, even within us. We are filled with the Spirit. In 1 John 4, verse 13, we heard these words. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. In just a couple weeks, we'll celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost was the day. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2, and we'll talk about this in a couple weeks when we get there, um, 50 days after Easter, so seven weeks, when the Spirit of God was poured out in a significant way. The Spirit of God has continued to, to come to us, come to us in as, as we believe in him, come to us through the water of baptism, come to us as we read and hear the word of God. So we're filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells within us in this, in this unique way. It fills us and connects us with God, not in some mystical, ethereal connection to the, the great divine or something, but in a real world in the here and now connecting an indwelling relationship we have with God. Number 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, 
And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. You think of yourself as a dwelling place for God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, in which the Spirit of God is living. That's who you are. People of faith, that is who you are, a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. So that we can be in communion with God, connected to God, of the family of God. And through all of that, we love. We love because he first loved us. And how many times in the Bible does it say, love one another? John records those words multiple times. Love one another. That comes from God, actually, first. Love one another because we've been loved by God, because we've received the grace of God and the love of God. This is what it looks like, verses 7 and 8 from 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There's knowing again. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Like, we don't, we don't know God in the way that we know people, right? We can see God. We can understand what he has revealed to us. But you know how you can know a person really, really well? Like, you know what they're thinking. You know what they're going to say next. You know, you know, kind of all about them. We know God to a certain extent as he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Luther liked to say that God would wear a mask. Oh, and here we are wearing masks. Different. <laughs> God wears a mask because we couldn't handle the full-on revelation of who God is, of his true nature and his glory. So God has to hold back and reveal what we could handle, right? Otherwise, mind blown. <laughs> so God reveals himself to us in these ways. God, so we know God, but here's how we can really understand and know the nature of God, it's love. Plain and simple, it's love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. We love because God loves us. God is love. Why does God redeem his broken creation? By giving his son to lay down his life because God is love. Why does God choose to communicate with us and reveal himself to us at all? Because God is love. Why does God want you as part of his family? Because God is love. Why does he want me? Why does he communicate with any of us? Why does he reveal himself to any of us? Because God is love. He loves us. And he knows us. And he still loves us. 
because God is love. And that's how we understand God. What does love look like then? It's self-sacrifice. Our love can look like that too. It's compassionate. Our love can look like that too. It's generous. Our love can look like that too. It's inconvenient. (laughs) And our love can look like that too. So we went to Oregon to help. And there was a cost involved, but it was... It wasn't much. A couple tanks of gas. Some food. We would have eaten anyway, so can't really count that. There was time. There was work. Parts of it were exhausting. Why do we do it? Because of love. Because that's what you do. You get involved. You pay the price. You give of yourself. You change your plans because of love. And love is what we do as Jesus followers. As people who follow Jesus, this is what we do. We love. We love others. We love one another in the body of Christ, and we love others even outside the body of Christ because God is love. That's the message. That's the message that we have received And through that same indwelling, through that same Spirit of God living in us, we can test the spirits. The chapter, 1 John 4, started with these words, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How do we do that? Listen. By this you know, this is how it continues in verse 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. In other words, the message should match. The, The word should bear witness to the truth of Jesus, and Jesus is the answer. His life, his death, his resurrection, everything else, 1 John 4 goes on to say, is antichrist, is against Christ, is standing against the gospel of Jesus at work in the world. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So that's how we can understand and test the spirits. And what First John talks about specifically is witnesses that have gone out from them, but not really of them, or something to that effect is the word John's, uh, John uses. But there's also, you know, you ever get that nudge that, hey, you should pay attention to this. Hey, maybe this is a good idea. You ever have that in a surprising way happen? On our drive to Oregon, we were talking about, here's what we need to make sure happens over the next couple of days. You know how much of that actually took place? Not much. (laughs) Somehow there was a nudge. We need to make sure that the insurance claim and company, and we make sure that gets done because that's really important. And somehow we got on that, and I wouldn't let it go. It's like, we got to get this. 
we got to make that call. we got to make that communication. we got to make sure that they can do what they need to do before anything else. Let's not go disturbing the stuff before the insurance company has a chance to be in there. I don't know why. Suddenly that was really important to me. And it was really important that it happened in the right way and in the right order. And we made sure. And, you know, I'm not going to claim it was my idea <laughs> or that I was that motivated to do that when we were in the car on the drive on the way there. That was, you know, it was on the list. But it wasn't the first thing. Why did it become the first thing? I don't, I don't know. But it was really important Follow the nudge. Be interrupted. Let your plans get changed when that's important. And discern the truth. Verse 6 from 1 John 4. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. First John is concerned with knowledge, truth, and discerning that against error. Why? Because already, by the time John's writing this letter, there's ideas that are departing from the truth of Jesus already being talked about, already being even taught and believed. But God speaks truth. I heard a long time ago that the way that they would train people to, to spot counterfeit currency was not to show them examples of counterfeit currency, but to show them and have them handle and touch and see and look at and study very carefully the actual like $100 bill. It works the same way for us. We need to handle and see the Word of God in its truth and purity so that when something is counterfeit, we can spot it. That's what John's talking about here. Discerning the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error is important for us. And the Spirit of God enables us to do that. And through all of that, we can live in love. In this is love that God was made manifest among us and God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So we live in love. We live in love for God, for one another, for others. We live in truth, in speaking and living because the spirit is in us. We bear fruit as the Gospel of John in chapter 15, our Gospel reading for today, spoke about that we bear much fruit. Live by what you know. <laughs> That's what John's writing is, is telling us. Live by what you know, empowered by whom you know. We know the Spirit. The more you know. Amen.